I'm Emma Woodhouse. I'm a two-time NCAA All-American, former Division I downhill skier, and host of the Barriers to Breakthroughs podcast. Each week, I'll get to interview some amazing and strong female athletes to discuss important topics in women's sports and what goes on inside the brain of an athlete. Perfectionism, recovering from injury, and bullying are just some of the many things that can defeat your spirits and ruin your confidence to perform. I know what it's like to feel hopeless, not knowing why you're not performing the way you want, and to feel alone thinking that no one could relate to what you're going through. Well, I'm here to change that. I'll bring these topics and stories to light and show you that you are not alone and that you can overcome those barriers to breakthrough. Welcome back to Barriers to Breakthroughs. I have such an amazing guest this week. She is a recently retired collegiate diver who is a four-time America East champion and is the 2020 America East Diver of the Year. She has won countless meets in both the three-meter and one-meter events and is considered the most accomplished diver of all time at the University of New Hampshire. Her story from battling a persistent back injury and the pressures within her environment and on herself really shows her resilience to never give up, and it's truly inspiring. And she so happens to be one of my best friends and roommate in college. It's Allison Stefanelli. Hey, Al. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Emma. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, no problem. This is awesome. I'm so excited. (laughs) Very happy to be here. Yeah, I'm so happy just because it's I witnessed your seasons and I've been with you through everything. So I'm just excited for other people to hear your story and yeah, just learn more about you. Yeah, thanks for uh, letting me tell it. All right. So I want to get started with some questions just to break the ice, like get people to know you a little bit better. All right. What is your pre-competition ritual? Yeah. So before the competition, I typically have my headphones on, have a pump up playlist going like some Kanye or DJ Khaled kind of like bump in music to, to get me pumped up and, you know, get some inspiration and motivation flowing. Um, and then once I warm up on the boards, I just do one of each dive. And if I don't like the way one felt, I do it again and make sure that, you know, as many of the jitters are out of my system and then I'm, I'm good to go as long as I'm staying warm and relatively dry on the pool deck. Um, that's really the key to, uh, competing well is, is staying warm when you're wet. Yeah, definitely. For sure. Love that. Love Kanye. (laughs) (laughs) Um, all right. And so who is your favorite athlete of all time and why? When I think of my favorite athlete, I, I go back to my childhood a bit and I think of Alicia Sacramoni um, in the 2008 Olympics because she ended up falling on beam and also falling on floor during team all round finals. And as I was watching it live, it was kind of heartbreaking for to watch Team USA, um, you know, have the capability of winning the gold medal, but um, having those few mistakes. Um, you know, the team only got second, but I loved her tenacity and how she was like the team mom for everyone. She was very positive and, you know, she, she bounced back, even though she made a few mistakes, she still had 
really, really good routines. And it showed me as a kid that you can fall. You just have to keep getting back up and keep trying and, you know, don't, don't hold yourself back. Yeah. I love that. (laughs) Words to live by. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So if you could, you couldn't be a diver, what sport would you go into? Honestly, probably football. (laughs) When I was a kid, I was a major tomboy. I could hang with the boys in the neighborhood. I can, I can still throw a football farther than, than some boys. And um, I remember being at giant stadium one day, I was playing catch with my brother in the parking lot and, you know, other giants fans were like, Whoa, she's got an arm. So I've, I kind of wanted to be a football player when I was younger, but by the time I found that passion, like, Hey, maybe I can get into this. Um, it was to the point where the boys would probably beat me up if I was tackled because I ended up being smaller than the boys. So it was more of like, uh, you know, maybe this isn't for you, but I think I would have been pretty good if I was a quarterback. That's so funny. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) That was not what I thought you would say. (laughs) It just hit me. It felt right. I was like, I could go skiing or something, but I don't like going fast and (laughs) stuff, but, but I think football, I still love football. That's awesome. And last one, uh, what is a quote or saying that you live by? I mean, you, you just said that getting back up when you fall, but is there another one that sticks with you? Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, I like to practice gratitude. Um, I've gotten into yoga and that was one of the major takeaways from, from doing yoga practice for a couple of years. And it's something, especially during the last year I've you know, trained my mind to think in a more positive fashion and, and, you know, take the good out of every situation, even if it's negative, even if it's really, really hard, just taking the time to take a deep breath, reflect, and really look within of like what you're grateful for, um, what you still have and, and things like that. I'm really grateful for my family and my friends and having the opportunities that I do have just there, there's so many things to be grateful for that. If you just are able to open your eyes and look at them and appreciate them, it really, um, you know, shifts your mindset to a a way more positive outlook on life. Wow. (laughs) So much wisdom just coming out. (laughs) Love this. Um, all right, well, we can just dive right into this. Ooh, good one. <laughs> um, so yeah, I just wanted to learn more about how you got into diving and uh, what led you to that sport. So I was a gymnast for 10 years from the age of three to about 13. Um, I always had a ton of energy, was upside down on the monkey bars when I was a kid, like always getting into trouble. So my mom put me in gymnastics and that was an incredible time for 10 years, but unfortunately, a lower back injury took me out of gymnastics. I, um, going into ninth grade, I had to quit gymnastics and then find another sport to do during high school, which was really hard. Um, so I reluctantly tried diving. Um, it was my mom's idea. She knew I was an athlete. She knew I wanted to do a sport and she's like, okay, I have this really awesome 
diving coach, I think you should give it a try. Like you can do it once. You can do it a couple of times. If you don't like it. We'll try something else. And so it was my first practice as a diver and on the way to practice, we needed to buy a bathing suit and because I, I didn't have a one piece bathing suit. And so we go to the mall and we're shopping for a bathing suit. And I am like throwing a tantrum because I didn't, <laughs> I didn't want to try diving. You know, I was really heartbroken when I couldn't continue gymnastics. It was all I ever knew. It was all I ever wanted to do. So it almost felt, I felt like guilty or like betrayal when I left gymnastics, but it wasn't because I wanted to, it's because my body chose that it was done that if I kept going with gymnastics, I would hurt myself even more. Um, so I finally found a bathing suit that was decent enough for me to wear in public. And I went to my first diving practice and, you know, just bounced up and down on the boards a few times and um, did a few dives. And my coach Maria was then like just blown away at how quickly I picked it up just in the first like 15 minutes of practice. She knew she saw talent within me right away. Um, so even though I was reluctant to go and I didn't want to beforehand, I ended up having a really great time. And that was the jump start to everything. That's funny that you actually didn't want to do it and you're <laughs> like forced to try it. <laughs> yeah. My mom loves telling that story. I kicked bathing suits across the dressing room. I was kind of a nightmare before the first practice and you know I'm I'm grateful for my mom to push me to try new things because who knows what would happen if I didn't go to that first practice I'm I'm really happy I did yeah and is it is it common for ex-gymnasts to go into diving or is it just because it's really similar movements or yeah, it is fairly similar sports. It's almost like diving is a subset of the sport of gymnastics. So um, a lot of my personal friends um, who I grew up doing gymnastics with ended up going to diving and diving in college because it was like a, a lateral transition um, and it was less impact on your body in a sense um, compared to tumbling on on beam and floor. Um, but I also know a, a few other people who go to pole vaulting because it's also, you know, you get to jump up in the air and it's really technical um, that gymnasts are are really good at too. Oh, that's super interesting. I had no idea that <laughs> pole vaulting. I was like, what? <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's like a, those daredevil kind of sports um, really draw gymnasts in. Yeah. Wow. That's really cool. Okay, so let's talk about um your college career. So I get I guess first off, let's maybe let's go into what that first practice was like on the new team and how that really was different between your club diving versus the collegiate. Yeah. Um I think I didn't understand um, the differences between college diving and club diving, like right away at that first practice, um, I felt pretty comfortable because I had connected with the other divers before getting to college. And, um, we spent time together the weekend before, um, official practices started. So I felt 
fairly comfortable with the people that I was surrounded by. Um, but of course I was nervous and, um, knew that it was sometimes an intense environment to be in on that team. Um, but over time I definitely became more comfortable, um, really became good friends with the other divers and, and we were able to help each other through practice and, and have a motivating and positive environment for the most part. Yeah. And what, what were your thoughts of like walking on the the pool deck for the first time? Like what, what was going on in your head? It's a really good question. Um, I remember the pool is kind of cold and it's loud. There's a lot of vibrations from, from the pipes and just air movement. So I think it was just loud. And then when the swim team is also in there, um, just it's, it gets loud, but it's a, it's a nice constant noise where it's, at least for me, it was better to dive when there was a lot of commotion going on rather than when it was really quiet. And all you hear is the movement of air and, and stuff like that. Yeah. So like the, it was kind of like white noise to you. Yeah. White noise is huge, especially during competition too, because if it's too quiet, your mind becomes too loud and whoa, like, yeah, whoa. (laughs) So that a lot of divers, um, do well in scenarios where there's a bit of commotion because sometimes it can feel like when you're on the end of the diving board, there's a spotlight directly on you and it goes really, really quiet in the pool. And sometimes if, um, you know, if you're, if your mind strength isn't there, you can start talking to yourself or getting in, like start overthinking. So you kind of have to figure out what it's like to be in your own zone, um, depending on the environment that you're placed in during a competition. Right. Um, and how were first few weeks there? Like, were you ever like intimidated by the team or like coming from club, like was university team a big, big step? Um, yeah, that's a good question. I think, um, when, at least for me going to college sports and being on a team, there was this ranking system, kind of hierarchical environment that seniors are the captains. They're the wisest and all of this stuff. And freshmen, you're still learning. So you don't necessarily have a voice or a say in decisions that are being made or things, things of that nature. But in club diving, you're all there from ages of like seven years old up to college divers who are home on break. So it's really um, young kids, elementary, middle school, all the way up to high schoolers and, you know, a college athlete in there, some practices. So you really just became friends with everyone and they're from different school districts. So they had different teachers, different environments that they were in, but you all came together in the pool. So it was just more of a, a genuine friendship being made rather than um, being on a team and kind of having a placement um, depending on what year you were in college. Yeah, that's super interesting. Yeah, that would be probably a tough transition to like, it, it seems like it was more intense rather than the club was kind of, I guess, 
not that it wouldn't be fun, but like it would, it's more lighthearted. Yeah, it is a bit lighthearted, um, in, in club and you can take it as seriously as you want, or you can do it just because you love diving. And so there is no, um, I guess, cut off, you can say of, of who can dive in club. So if you want to dive in club, you can go do that. Um, but in, in college, it's definitely a more serious environment because you're dedicating your time to a team who wants to win championships and, and win dual meets during the season. So, um, the coaches and the athletes are, are taking the sport more seriously because there's an end goal in mind. Whereas club, it's a more individual based system where you go to competition and it's you versus you, but you versus the other competition. Whereas when you're on a team in college, you need to perform for your teammates. So it's almost a part of your motivation of, I want to do well because I want my teammates to win with me. Yeah, definitely. And so, yeah, it seemed like it was a lot of pressure to perform. Like, did that affect you in any way of, of how you performed? Yes. Um, some instances, the pressure was immense and it did get to me. Um, there was a meet my sophomore year is the championship meet. It was one meter prelims. So in diving, there's a prelims and a final. So you need to be top, top 20. I don't know. You need to be in the top divers basically to do the same dives again in finals and compete for a medal. So I'm basically trying to get at my freshman year. I was injured with my back and I wasn't able to compete at conference my freshman year. So once I came back, I rehabbed, um, my back was no longer a huge issue. I wanted to perform well in, in championships because I had this expectation of doing well for the diving team. And I was definitely consumed by, by the pressure and the expectations of, of the expectations that I had of myself and from the coaching staff and just from my teammates, like, I just wanted to do well. I already missed a year of competition. I just want to go out there and not only do the best I can, but potentially win because I knew the competition that I was against. I knew my abilities. I was like, you know, I have this opportunity to win if, if I just go out and get it. But what ended up happening is the pressure got to me. I was overthinking. I was in my head and it ended up failing a dive on one meter and didn't make it to finals. And that was really gut wrenching. Like I haven't failed a dive since like early in high school, like a lot of divers don't fail dives in competition. It's kind of like just one of those flukes, but it, it happens to everyone. Like even Olympians fail dives and like divers at NCAAs fail and it's not uncommon, but it definitely hurts like hell when it happens because you know that your competition is basically over because it's hard to compete with other really good divers when you get a zero on a dive. Yeah. So failing a dive is like when you smack like on the wall, like, like literally belly flop or like, uh, mine was a back flop. So I kind of starfished as my teammates call it. 
Um, I came out of a flip way too early. Um, and I ended up just laying flat on my back, arms out, legs out, looking like a starfish. Oh no. And just, you could hear the connection of my body to the water and the whole crowd goes, Ooh, (laughs) (laughs) and then they flash zeros up on the screen and then you're under the water. Like, Oh my God, what did I just do? Oh no. So it's really intense couple of moments. Yeah. How Um, how are you digesting? How are you after that? Not great. Did you still have to perform after, like, did you still have more dives to go? I did. I had two more dives. No, three more dives. So that was halfway through the competition. We, we compete six dives, um, in, in championships. So my third dive, I failed and I worked my butt off trying to get back into the competition. Like I was, um, in a rocking mindset. I was like, I need to hit these next three dives if I want to come back for finals. And it's one of those scenarios where I was able to come back stronger because my my coaches have taught me that you have to take each dive individually. So if you think about the whole competition, you can get really overwhelmed because, oh my gosh, there's six dives and I'm not very good at N-words or I'm scared about this twisting dive because I usually, you know, go sideways or something. Like when you focus on the whole picture, the environment just gets very overwhelming. So it's really important to think of one dive at a time. So when you get on the board, okay, I'm doing a front double tuck. That's the only thing I'm thinking about. But then also it's important after that dive, to let it be in the past. So after I failed the dive, I can dwell and be in my own pity party and be like, oh my gosh, I just failed the dive. Or I can put it behind me, say, I still have three more dives left and I'm going to nail them because I want to be back in this competition. Yes. Love that. <laughs> I love that. I feel like so many athletes they mess up or do something wrong. And then their mind's just like, yep, it's over. Like, I don't have to try anymore. I'm done. I'm a loser. But like, if you switch that mindset to, to, you know what, I can, I can try and get back in this. And I just got to focus on the next dive. And then after that, the next dive, that's a really good mindset to have. Yeah. Like it's not over until it's over. Mm -hmm. So you, you don't give up until, until it's over. So unfortunately, moral of the story, I didn't make it to the finals on that dive or on that one meter meet, but the next day was three meter, which is my stronger event. And I was able to get first place on three meters. So the whole weekend wasn't a bust. I, I did perform well the next day and did have, you know, a good weekend coming out of it, but that failed dive really lingered and, um, stayed in my mind for a very long time after that. Yeah. But it's, it's good that it didn't affect you. Like it didn't affect your whole weekend, which was good. I feel like that could have really, that could have really affected you, but you decided like, no, I'm going to, I'm just going to focus on my next dive. (laughs) Absolutely. I've, yeah, I kind of, I take pride in my, in my strong mindset and, and the type of competitor that I am. Cause I, I attribute that to a lot of my success in my career is just how 
I've been able to compete in my mind and like surrounded by other people. Like I've, I've noticed that it's one of my strengths during competition is my demeanor and um, just how I, how I view the competition. That's a good strength to have. (laughs) And like, I, like, I always think about like athletes are like, they choke because their mind is something's going on there. Like it's not there. It's not anything physical. It's, it's literally your mindset. So I just, that's really cool that you were able to, that you learned about that and you knew that that's what you needed to do to perform. Yeah. I can make or break a competition Mm -hmm. for sure. Yeah. So you mentioned your uh, back injury. So I'd really love to get into that more details. Um, I mean, I witnessed firsthand the pain you were going through (laughs) with the, the heating pads and the, uh, sleeping a certain way. (laughs) So just walk, walk us through what that injury was like and the moment it, it happened, at least the, the first time. Okay. So the first time freshman fall, it was Thanksgiving weekend. It was a day after Thanksgiving. So I was home on break. I was, um, training with my club team. So it was just a normal practice and I did a dive. Um, I remember it was a front double tuck and I just feel my back like tense up, like just some of the worst pain. And I stopped practice immediately. It was like, oh, maybe I just like tweak something and I'll go home and I'll be fine. But a couple of days later, I woke up and I literally couldn't move. I couldn't move on my own. I was completely almost immobilized. I had pain going down my right leg, like from my back to my foot, just nerve pain. So I had to drive to urgent care, um, get some get some steroids in me, <laughs> um, get an MRI. And um, yeah, that was the start of it. Just um, so the injury was a, is a herniated disc in my lower back. I have two numb toes on my right foot that have not gained back consciousness since freshman year. Um, so that's been tough during diving sometimes having two numb toes and not being able to feel exactly where you are on the board. That's fine. Um, that is, <laughs> wow. I, I get numb toes from being in the cold, but they come back to life. Oh, I can't, I can't imagine that. That's one thing that I like can't deal with is like not feeling something like I need to have that like touch, not, not trying to make you feel bad. <laughs> <laughs> no, of course not. It it feels like your toes have fallen asleep. And sometimes, you know, that in-between stage where they're waking up and you have the immense tingle sensation that kind of hurts. Yeah. Like the pins and needles, the kinda. pins and needles. Yeah. That will come on really strong sometimes and it's really uncomfortable, but then it just goes back to being numb. So like that, those, uh, pins and needles Whoa. are my pain in my toes. And then it just goes back to kind of just not feeling that like they're there. It's, it's very odd. That is really weird. I, wow. That's a different injury. I've, (laughs) (laughs) um, but so how was, uh, the recovery process from then on and how, how did you bring that up to your coaches too? 
I think since I was home, I, I called them on the phone and I ended up getting an MRI while I was home. I stayed home a little bit longer than, than Thanksgiving break because of how much pain I was in. And, um, just because I was home, I knew the doctors in the area. I had, um, a back doctor, which I saw for gymnastics. Um, so just having my, my history based in my hometown, it just made sense to, to see the doctors there, but then it all had to be transferred over to the training room at UNH. Once I got back to school, how was the recovery process from then on? It was long. It was very long. So my injury was in the end of November and I don't think I got back on the boards until at least April of the following year. So I had missed the rest of the dual meet season and the championship season. Um, and I was just doing PT every day. So I got connected with a physical therapist, um, the next town over from where UNH is from. And he is the absolute best. Um, he helped me with rehab. He helped me with my mindset a little bit. Um, so I, I went to him for the next four years. Um, but yeah, the recovery was just a lot of ups and downs. It was definitely more mentally tough than it was physically tough for sure. Yeah. And what were the thoughts going through your head during the process? Were you upset that you weren't able to dive or were you more, more frustrated because your back was messed up again since gymnastics? So yeah, tell me more about that. It definitely felt like both. It was frustrating in that I felt pain and there were pretty few remedies, um, to help with that. So you mentioned like uh, heat pads, I would heat up my rice bag multiple times a day just to get some heat to my back and try and get some sort of relief. Um, and it was also mentally tough because during at least the championship season, I felt excluded from the team because my coaches viewed me since I was an injured athlete as more of a distraction than as an asset to the team. So I wasn't, um, invited to be on deck during meets. I wasn't able to travel to, um, the championship meet. I ended up driving with a, with a, a fellow teammate who also was injured. So we drove down from Durham to Worcester together to watch a day or two of the competition. And that was wicked hard. Just watching your teammates do what you love to do and not being included because you couldn't even really communicate with them because they were in the zone and the coaches didn't want any interaction because they didn't want the athletes on deck to be, um, you know, distracted and they wanted them to focus on their races and on their dives. So it just felt very exclusive and, and being on the outside, it definitely hurt me maybe more than it would have other people, but I really just did not like the feeling of being isolated and not being a part of the team, even though I was a part of the team, I was just injured. Yeah. I wouldn't like that either to, to feel, I mean, alone and not be supportive from coaches. Um, I guess like you were a point provider for the team and then now you're injured, you're, you weren't. So then they're like, ah, forget about her. Like she doesn't 
<laughs> no, I, I think you hit. That's rough. That's rough. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head. It was definitely uh, during that championship season. It's points. It's we want to win. And if you're not contributing points, then you're not in the wagon with us. You know, did that really affect your relationship with them moving forward? Um, maybe not so much my relationship, but maybe more of how I looked at them as coaches and mentors. Um, just, I didn't look at them as people who I could approach and who I didn't feel like they had necessarily my best interest in mind because they just wanted me to get better so I could get back on the board so I could start scoring points for the team. Um, but they definitely lacked some, some empathy and compassion that would have helped me along my journey instead of feeling very alone. What about any, were any teammates there for you? I mean, you mentioned the one that was injured as well. Like were the other divers supportive of you? Absolutely. Yeah. We're called the diva squad for a reason. (laughs) Um, The other divers and the swimmers, like everyone was very supportive. Um, But I think I don't know. It's hard to tell because when you're in a place where you're frustrated and you're feeling hurt, you tend to isolate yourself a bit. And, um, you know, people, you almost get offended if people don't reach out and check up on you, which makes you feel more alone when you can just as easily reach out and say, Hey, I'm not okay. I want to get a cup of coffee or something like that. So it was definitely a, a culmination of my own mental state of how sad and isolated I felt, but also made myself feel as opposed to, and like, I, I attributed that to, oh, people don't care when that was definitely not the case. But at the time, that's how I felt. Yeah. That can be hard to like, you want someone to be there for you, but you don't want to go out and ask them. You want them to go to you. Yeah. It's been a struggle my whole life. I've never been good at asking for help. It's a skill. (laughs) Absolutely. I'm still learning how to ask for help. I'm very used to being independent, but sometimes you just need another human. Yeah, definitely. Okay. So fast forward, you're killing it, rocking it, just crushing everyone, winning like you always do. And then boom, you get injured again your senior year. Um, same, is it the same back injury, like same place? Uh, relatively same place. So it was the disc. So I herniated a disc in my back freshman year. And then the one above it decided to herniate as well. Um, so (laughs) I started, uh, feeling really uncomfortable in my body once practice started up in August and it was, you know, I've dealt with you know, back aches and stuff like that. It's something that I've lived with and I will continue to live through. So I didn't think much of it, but the pain started to get worse and worse with practice, which was confusing me because yeah, I was practicing more than I was over the summer, but I was also lifting weights and was actively at least trying to get stronger, but my back pain was getting worse. So I went to the trainers and, um, they were like, you know, go back to PT and whatever. And also during that time, I 
didn't love the environment that I was in. I kind of went kicking and screaming in my head to practice every day because I genuinely did not want to be on the team anymore. I didn't want to be a diver. Um, I just fell out of love with the sport. I fell out of love with the team. I was kind of just miserable. I did not want to be there. And I thought removing being an athlete from my plate, I could focus more on school. I'd be happier. I'd be less stressed. I'd, I would just have more time to really reflect on what I needed, whether that be physical or mental health. So once my back started to hurt, I started discussing medical retirement with the athletic trainers. And so that prompted us to get an MRI, which confirmed that I had a second herniated disc. Um, and that was good, but there came a time when I remember I went into the training room crying to my trainer saying, please let me medically retire. I can't do this anymore. I was so mentally out of it. I definitely had depressive thoughts. I was just like not comfortable in my own body. I didn't want to be anywhere near the field house basically. And I was just begging to medically retire. And so with the, I don't know, there's like a lot of hoops that you need to jump through and when that starts to happen. So it was finally happening. I made a, um, like an appointment with my coach with, with the head swim coach and we were going to have a meeting and I was going to tell him that I was medically retiring. And so I had the, the trainer in there with me and it was the three of us talking. And before I got the words out, before I even mentioned medical retirement, he gave me like an alternative route and said, Hey, we, I know you're hurting and I know you don't necessarily want to be here anymore, but how about you go do PT and you don't have to get back in the pool until you're ready. So you don't need to be at practice. You don't need to do anything that much regarding the team. Just, you know, get better and we'll see you in January, basically. And I had a lot of phone calls after that with my parents and with my friends just saying, what do I do? Because I was, you know, so close to medically retiring and just leaving it all behind me. And now I have this option to keep going. And I think it was a really good thing in hindsight during, while it was happening, it was really hard because I didn't want to be in that environment so much, but because I had some breathing room, it, it made it a lot easier to digest. And then I could just focus on not only rehab in my back, but I could also, you know, fix or at least try to fix my mind and, and those really negative thoughts that I had going through my head of, of not wanting to be in the environment. Yeah. I remember, I mean, being your roommate, I, I remember when that was a big decision for you to quit. And I mean, I, I was selfishly thinking like, Oh, I want to watch you like finish <laughs> out your final meet. But at the same time, like I knew how bad you were hurting. So it was like, I was just, <laughs> I don't remember exactly what I said. I was, but I was like, you know what, do whatever is best for you. But that, that must've 
felt really nice though, from your coach to like, you've had, you had problems with them in the past, but then at the time you basically the time you needed them most, they were like, yeah, we can help you. You can take as much time as you need. Yeah, they're definitely there for me. And it was a side of him that he doesn't show very often to people. It was, um, and I think that came with getting to know me over the four years. So when I was a freshman, you know, and he was a head swim coach. So it's not even like um, we saw each other a lot or I was coached by him. I was just, I was just a diver, you know, I was on the other side of the pool and we didn't make much of a relationship, but, you know, as much as it hurt not being invited to conference my, my freshman year, I started to understand his mentality and why he made the decisions he was making throughout the time that I was in his program. So I think a lot of why he gave me that counter offer was because he knew my heart. He knew my talent. He knew that, yeah, I'm a, I'm a point maker. And that's probably his number one reason of doing it is because he knew that I would contribute the most diving points, but he also, you know, said the right words of just being empathetic and, you know, kind of just being like a genuine human and saying, Hey, I know you're hurting and I want you to get better. And even through the process of rehabbing and getting better. And once I felt better, I wanted to get back in the pool. I, I felt that fire come back inside me of like, okay, I still want to do this sport. I still love being an athlete. And I was able to find that through the rehab and through the space that I was given to really just think through what I was feeling um, rather than making a somewhat rash decision of just medically retiring and calling it quits. So I'm really happy that, that he gave me that opportunity to reflect, to get better. And every time I wanted to get back into the pool prematurely, he would pull back the reins and say, no, you're not ready. So he genuinely cared about my body and knew, you know, how injured I was and how much work goes into rehabbing where he didn't let me even have the opportunity to hurt myself more because he, he would pull back and say, you're not ready yet. So that was just really awesome of him to be so receptive to my situation. Yeah. And that's, that's great that it happened like your senior year. And it was like probably a good closure, right. With the team. Yeah, there's definitely, um, some closure that I was able to have. And, you know, I had a rocking end of the season. I missed the first um, half of the season because of the injury, but I came back with two weeks before competing at conference. So I had about 10 total practices before the championship meet after not diving for five months. Whoa, that's impressive. Yeah. yeah. So tell, tell us more about um, what your mindset was like going into that last meet. Um, going into that last meet, I didn't have many expectations and pressure as I did in the previous meets from the previous years. Um, because I think I knew that my time as an athlete was coming to an end and I just wanted to have fun. I think 
in the beginning of my college career, I took things so very seriously. And I think that hindered my performance a bit because I had pressure on myself to do well and these expectations to be a point provider because that's what I was recruited for. So once I became a senior and I was like, wait, I'm almost done being an athlete. I want to have fun. So that was the basis of my mindset going into the championship meet because After rehabbing, I was the strongest I had ever been in my four years of college. I had the most confidence in my body and in my diving abilities than I ever had during my diving career. It was like just an awesome feeling to feel good in my mind and in my body and know that kind of go in with no expectations because I hadn't competed the whole year. I didn't know where I was going to match up to the other divers. I didn't know if I could get on the podium. I didn't know if I would be 20 out of 20. Um, the dives that I was competing were of a lower degree of difficulty than the other divers because of my, uh, back limitations. So I didn't know how my, how my dives would score next to them. And so having, not knowing where I'm going to land, the only thing I could do was just go do the best dives that I can and have fun and see what happens. I wasn't going for first place. I just was happy to be there. I like, I hear this time and time again, like that's, that's when athletes really win is when they're having fun as well. And they're like genuinely enjoying their sport. Like, I feel like those are the true, those are the true winners. Absolutely. It was one of the funnest weekends of competition that I've ever had reflecting on my whole athletic career. Like that weekend was so much fun being with my teammates and not being so far in my own head where I was hindering my competition and like giving off bad vibes to my teammates. It was all love and confidence and like, let's go out and swim as fast as we can dive as well as we can. Like, let's just go do this thing. And you did it. And (laughs) we did it. Yeah, we, yeah, (laughs) we did it. The team did it. Oh, that's so awesome. I, yeah, I was so happy just watching you. I just knew how much of a fighter you were. And as, as a proud roommate, I was like, yes, like that's my roommate. She kills it (laughs) like a pencil down in small (laughs) splash. Like we were, oh, that was just so fun to watch you. And I was just so happy when they were putting the medal around your, your head. It was just like such a proud roommate and friend moment. Oh, thank you so much. (laughs) That was so cool. That was really, really awesome. And I'm so glad that it was able to happen. But also as I was going through that, you know, a lot of my life, I wanted to, well, not a lot of my life, I guess. In, in parts of my diving career, I really wanted to be first and I really wanted to, I don't know, just, I wanted to be a really good diver and I wanted to win. I wanted to feel what it was like to win first place. And I vividly remember thinking during that weekend, like I had just won the one meter and three meter competition and I don't feel fulfilled. It was one of those moments where I was like, whoa, this thing that I've been striving for, for so many years actually doesn't fill my cup as much as I thought it would. 
Like it was insane. It was awesome. Like those memories are never going to go away, but it didn't fulfill me in the way that I thought it would. And that's the only way I can describe it. Whoa. That's really interesting. (laughs) It's so cool that like you, at least I feel like if you medically retired, you'd have, you'd be thinking about like, you would be thinking about back on your diving experience. It'd be such a negative thing for you, but the fact that you were able to finish it, I feel like just put the little cherry on top. And it was just like, you were glad that it was over, but like at the same time, really you're, probably really proud of yourself of what you achieved. Definitely. I felt a sense of relief for getting through all four years. And I was always raised by my parents to not be a quitter and to see it through. And I had convinced myself early in the year that I didn't have the energy or the stamina or the motivation or the drive to finish it out. and with my coach enabling me to take the time that I need, whether I don't think he knew how mentally distraught I was. I think he just saw that I was injured, that I didn't want to, you know, be there anymore. And he said, you know what, go take the time that you need. And I think, yeah, I feel like I'm saying the same thing over and over, but it was really nice to get the closure, finish it out. And you know, I didn't, I don't want to look back and look at my college career in a negative light. Like a lot of things have happened that were negative, but I don't want to have that encompass my entire college experience. Yeah. There were a lot of positives that came out of it for sure. Absolutely. So looking up back on this journey, was that final meet, was that your favorite moment of your whole college career? I'm going to need to think on this for a second. That's a really (laughs) deep question because that competition definitely sticks out in my mind because it was a positive weekend. It was a fun weekend. I killed it and yeah, it was awesome. But I think there were a ton of smaller moments, just the small memories of, of being on a small team of having you know, no more than five divers and just being such a a small group of friends and, you know, the hot tub memories that we have and just the memories that only the only divers can share because we're cold and we have to walk back and down the pool deck to go from one meter to three meter, like um, just all of the the struggles that we had um, being on a team. I don't know. That's very hard to, to vocalize. Yeah. It's, it's, there's so many, there's so many moments probably you can't, you can't pinpoint one of them. (laughs) I cannot pinpoint one of them. Nope. So what's something through your career that you've learned, um, that you apply to your everyday life? Yeah. Um, from being an athlete, I take, um, the discipline part of it, I think is the biggest part is just um, being able to have time management to structure my days and form a routine for myself, which, um, has been hard during this past year and like implementing it into real life, but also during a pandemic. Um, so just 
making a point to get up early and make a checklist of what I need to get done throughout the day, like the non-negotiable responsibilities and also the negotiable responsibilities. So, you know, today I have seven hours of work to do because I have a job and then maybe I have a couple hours here or there to, to connect with friends and things like that. So I definitely take the, the foundational attributes of being an athlete and, and apply them to my life on, on the daily. Yeah, that's, that's definitely a big thing with, especially with student athletes. Like that's, we got to learn time management and we got to delegate things and plan things out. <laughs> Super important. Absolutely. Every moment of the day, you have a responsibility when you're a student athlete. And when things start to slow down after graduation, it's very easy to fall off the wagon in a way and, and not keep that structure in your life. And then there comes a point where you just feel like you're spiraling. You're like, okay, I need to re-implement structure. I need to set boundaries. I need to have an agenda and write down what I need to do. So yeah, it's really, it's really helpful. I'm really glad that I was able to learn those skills throughout my life. Yeah. Oh, well, that's all the questions I have, but thanks so much, Allison, for coming on. Really such a pleasure to hear your perspective and about your driving career. Thank you, Emma, so much for having me. Where can people follow you if uh, they want to reach out, if they want to chat with you, if they relate to your story? Um, yeah, so maybe your Instagram handle or like where, where are you at online? Oh, I'm on the Instagram at all times of the day. Um, yeah, my Instagram handle is just Allison Stefanelli. I'm very easy to find. Um, so yeah, I'd love to connect with more people and, and um, just chat about anything. Yeah, definitely. Yay. <laughs> Thanks, Al. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the Barriers to Breakthroughs podcast. If you love this episode or want to support the podcast, please click on that subscribe button and leave a rating and review. I would be forever grateful. You can also follow and connect with me on Instagram at Barriers to Breakthroughs podcast and on my website at emmawoodhouse.ca. Thanks again for tuning in and keep on breaking those barriers to your inevitable breakthrough.